welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. This is episode number 21 and I'm Ryan McLeod. This week we've got the wonderful Gillian Eason. I imagine that a large percentage of the, the podcast listeners will know who Gillian is already, but if you don't, she runs an organisation called Creative Dundee who do some absolutely amazing work in and around Dundee and specifically targeted towards the creative community in promoting individuals, events, things that are going on, uh, holding workshops, a whole range of stuff, including producing some amazing content, interviews, and yeah, a whole load of other great stuff. Um, if you don't follow them on Facebook or on Twitter, pause the podcast right now and go and do it because you will not regret it. There's just so much in there that it's fantastic, especially if you're invested in the, the creative sector in Dundee or in and around that. There's just so much great content that um, it's well worth doing. So the links again are in the show notes. Yeah, go and check that out. But Gillian took a little bit of uh, convincing to come on. I think a little bit as modesty, a little bit shy, but um, eventually I managed to convince her to, to come on and do an episode. And it was fantastic. We chat about our journey through sort of her education, through Nesta, to taking the jump and setting up Creative Dundee and the thought process and how that built over time and then eventually bringing on the, the team who are absolutely fantastic and we sort of dip in and, and talk about the members of the team and how that works and how that dynamic functions um, which again is, is really interesting it's a great insight into how Creative Dundee actually operates and the, the thinking behind its approach um, and again a little bit of the vision for, for the future as well. So it's absolutely fascinating, and to be honest, I can't I can't big up enough the work that Gillian and the rest of the team at Creative Dundee do. I think that they're an absolutely fundamental and essential part of, of Dundee's creative community, and they've helped drive so many great projects and uh, helped so many people soldier on in their creative careers, especially me coming back to the city after a couple of years away. It's just a really easy hub to tap into, and again, we, we sort of over that in the in the podcast um so i think jillian is definitely modest um but I, yeah i can't praise her enough for for the work that she's doing and will continue to do um as creative dundee builds and grows and, and sort of flourishes but before we we dive into that conversation um there's one thing i want to mention this week and that is a brand new shiny facebook group so I've decided to create a Facebook group for the podcast. Um, you can search on Facebook for Creative Chit Chat Dundee to find it. And there's a couple of reasons behind that. The first one being, I didn't want to keep continually spamming my mates on Facebook by just posting out the episode every week, every Wednesday. But I know that some of them do like that and they get their content through Facebook. It's an easy, accessible way to get it. Um, so what I wanted to do is create a place where the podcast will get posted every week and if you follow that group, it will come into your feed. So it's a really easy way of getting the content and hopefully a great way for encouraging people to share it on the Facebook platform. Because, um, I mean, that's something, yeah, we've not really tapped into so far. It's been mostly Twitter um, and a bit on Instagram. So that's the first reason. Um, the second reason is more around about the chit-chat aspect of it in that I don't think the chit-chat should purely exist between myself and the guests. Um, I want to start to bring in the, the voices of the wider community. 
So the Facebook group seemed a logical place to start to do that. So in the comments section, you can start conversations around themes or topics or certain things that are brought up in the podcast. Um, and we can actually start to have discussions in there. So I'd really love to start building up a community on Facebook and yeah, start those discussions every week and hopefully build up a, a valuable hub again where people can come digest the content and, and start interest in discussions. So if you do want to get involved in that, the link is in the show notes. Uh, but if you do search Creative Chit Chat Dundee on Facebook, the group will come up. And now let's jump into the podcast. So this is episode 21 and this is with Gillian Eason. Yeah, I, I grew up in Dundee, um, originally from here, uh, from Stubbswell, Stobie area. And wasn't particularly academic, really wasn't academic. And didn't really think about going to university, but then some of my family worked in DC Thompson's and I suppose when I was young I always wanted to draw comics, basically. So art college felt like a, a route. So yeah, I I wasn't sure about where to go to do that. But yeah, I, I pretty much flunked uh, a lot of stuff at, at school and didn't get in at Duncan Charleston and went to Grey's in Aberdeen. And I think that was good, actually, because it allowed me to get away, but it wasn't too far from home, I guess. But yeah, I, I think had I not done that, I could have gone down a very different route. And I suppose for me now, what we do and what I, my whole thing is just about giving people better opportunities. So yeah, art college, I studied design and craft, spent a lot of time in the sort of product design department. <laughs> And my thing at, at art college was about design as a process. Um, it was the late 90s, so like email and all that wasn't really around. But I was, yeah, really interested in design management. And actually, I remember like the whole gist of what we were doing was about doing something three-dimensional, whether it was jewellery or decorative interior stuff. Um, but I remember saying to my tutor near the end of fourth year, do I have to produce anything in 3D? And his face kind of just like hit the floor and I was like, oh. but yeah, I, I did end up doing that, but it was much more, my whole thing was about the process of design rather than like a finished outcome. Why do you, why do you think that was the focus for you? Because I would think that's a probably an unusual approach. Because from, from my experience of art school and things like that, people just make stuff. And yeah, you, yeah. You want to make stuff and yep. it's fun. And... Yeah, I think, well, I, I guess I was really lucky in that we got the whole we got to use all the different departments within within the university so woodwork metalwork glass ceramics but I just couldn't find an affinity to one thing and I much more I much preferred the that experimental process that kind of like try it and see and come up with lots of different potential outcomes and solutions um and yeah I just got more and more into the kind of the inquiry side so finding out what people thought um yeah as a way to then realize a solution and I was really interested in nature and um like now I think if I went to uni I'd probably do biomimicry which is all about nature informing kind of systems that we use now so anyway but I was really interested in kind of systems in nature 
and I still am. Um, and I think that's something that's carried through all the way with me. But yeah, that my art school training was definitely the best thing I think I needed at that time. And it was good from the perspective of working collaboratively, working in teams, presenting ideas, um, getting critical feedback. All the stuff that school just hadn't allowed, I guess. So then what happened after after university? Where did you go? Yeah, um, I came back to Dundee and uh, yeah, it was 99 and it... I wasn't. I didn't think I was going to stay here. I hadn't really come home that much, um, apart from summers and worked in pubs and stuff. And I thought I was just going to scarper off again. And and I did look at the London route. I applied for things. I kind of proactively got in touch with companies and stuff. But um, there was something about Dundee that's changing. It was the year the DCA opened. But yeah, it was funny coming back here and not being part of the community, the art school community that, that was here. And I guess some of what I've gone on to do now is, is my kind of kickback at that, is that I didn't really feel part of what was happening. So yeah, I came back here um, and, and sort of started to think, actually, I don't want to ever spend my life in a product design studio making things. I was much more about the people and I'd realised that in my fourth year. It was much more about helping make things happen. I was one of the people that tried to revive these kind of failing art societies at uni and tried to kind of do art supermarkets for people to make money from. And I was much more interested in, not necessarily events, but in how you bring people together to catalyze something to happen. Um, And yeah, so got a job, a graduate job, allegedly, um, in an organization that was about helping people get back into work and it was um, people that were long-term unemployed and potentially from second or third generation families of unemployed folk and that was good it was really hard going so I did that for three years um, worked as a training development officer so designing programs that would help people hopefully get back to work but it, it was pretty it was pretty hard going in terms of people were there because they were going to get their benefits sanctioned mm. And it was about trying to get people to understand that if we could understand the people we were working with better and understand their needs and and what they desired, I suppose, what motivated them. Like a big thing for me is, is trying to figure out what motivates people. And that's obviously very different for each individual. So, yeah, it was about that. And from there, you know, went on to helping um, get people back into work, like going out and doing basic cold calling to companies to try and encourage them to take people that maybe hadn't worked ever, and generally younger people as well. But then after that, kind of knew that I was going down a not very creative route and I needed to do something. And I was applying for other jobs and just not getting anywhere at all. And I think it was like totally down to lack of confidence. Um, and so myself and my friend decided to just go off around the world for a year. Um, so we did that the whole gap year a bit later, I think, than, than a lot of people. And I had to kind of sell a car, rent out my flat and all that kind of nonsense. But that was that was really good for coming back and then kind of having more drive, more passion, more understanding of where I might fit in the world. But even coming back, I kind of fell back into that world. And actually I did a bit of work when I was away. Um, <laughs> Working in one of the most sort of deprived areas in Sydney, in Australia, 
where the main uh, language wasn't English. Um, so that was quite, kind of really, it really allowed me to get an understanding of the international challenges, I guess, that, that cities are facing. But yeah, I came back, did another couple of jobs helping people get education, get skills in the workplace. So I, I could teach um, SVQ level three uh, in warehousing, if you, if you ever wanted, and administration. And it, that was great, actually, for getting out and about and, and seeing the issues that companies were facing as well in terms of employment and things. And then worked with Princess Trust across the northeast of Scotland on a project which was about helping pupils who were 14 to 16 year old and maybe self-excluding or being excluded to kind of stay in stay in school uh, but through more interesting activities and, and education things so yeah from there started to get more into I guess that that sort of de- how do you design experiences for people to get better opportunities and then the job at Nesta came up and I worked there for nearly seven years and that was about that was kind of it'd come full circle it, it was about how do you help predominantly graduates art school graduates uh, take their amazing product or service that they developed and get it to market basically how do you help them get the business skills to to set up a business and where was that Based. It was based in Dundee. Um, it was funny. I was remembering the other day that, like, so Nesta is a national organisa- organisation, and it's a sort of innovation charity. It's a great organisation, but it's very different to, to many other organisations that I've worked for. But I remember that in our office we used to have a tally of anybody that had actually visited the Dundee office because it was so different to the London. It was about eighty people there. There was four of us in the team in Dundee. But also it would come up on the, like we would add it to the Christmas party quizzes. <laughs> like where else do, does Ness have an office? Is it, you know, like lots of different options. And it was really fascinating to see. So I suppose all of that's kind of added to my thing about helping raise the profile of Dundee. Um, because I don't think it's, I still don't think it's as well known as it could be or it should be. So yeah, it was a great near seven years. And I got to do lots of really interesting work both at home and, and internationally as well and helped Nesta kind of create the first couple of products like commercial products that it ever done and that maybe encouraged me to think more about a route that was about self-employment rather than because I was working with hundreds of really inspiring people from the likes of Joanna Basford um, to some of the, the companies that are like really cutting edge in Scotland right now and I think yeah you can only be inspired by working with people like that and it was certainly never anything like it's not a thing within my family is to to sort of jump ship and set up a business but when I was at Nesta I was appreciating that actually it was very selective the programs that we could offer support so it was kind of training it was grant funds it was coaching it was mentoring but only the select few could kind of get access to it. So I suppose Creative Dundee was a result of a number of different things, but one of those was how do we enable more people to to get support to set up their thing, whether it be finding a career or whether it be setting up their own practice. So yeah, it was about stripping out, well, once you've dished out grant funding, 
and you've had that support then all you're left with is a bunch of people trying to make a living from their thing and so Creative Dundee was part of a response to that and also part of a response to I was just so frustrated hearing at events like hearing lecturers and people that should know better to tell creative people that they needed to go to Edinburgh, Glasgow, London, Manchester to do their thing and that as somebody from here was incredibly frustrating and then yeah thirdly it was about me trying to get some kind of inroads I wasn't I wasn't getting a chance even though I was based in Dundee I wasn't really getting a chance to work here I was always working elsewhere so yeah part of it was that as well so that was, did you say you were at 2013? Yeah, well, 20, 2008 was when Lyle and I registered the domain name for Creative Dundee. And that was just before going to work one day and thinking, right, why don't we just do this? And it was before even Creative Scotland was a thing. Had I been more, had I been smarter, I should have registered that domain and <laughs> started working on that. <laughs> But yeah, they were still Scottish Arts Council and Scottish Screen at the time. So um, so yeah, we, we registered the domain, started populating it in our kind of evenings and weekends with content so that was happening. That was just a, a blog to start with? Yeah, very much so. And it was before the V&A and things were happening. It was a bit sporadic. We would sometimes update it and then not. And actually, there was some podcast done at that time, interviewing key people in the city and we were just trying different things out. But it wasn't until 2013 that I started to realise, actually, there's maybe something more to this than than just a blog. And, and so that, that transition, that jump to, to saying, I'm going to leave a full-time job and yep. start this, was that an easy decision to make? No, definitely not. And, I mean, I went part-time for six months to try and ease into that and also did a lot of kind of consultancy as well um, as myself so doing uh, work around design innovation around um, uh, about digital engagement those sort of things so I was doing them because obviously Creative Dundee wasn't bringing in there was just no money there it was just a hobby really a very time intensive hobby so yeah taking that jump was a biggie I think it was lessened because we'd started running events by then. We'd started running Pitch Kitcha, um and also Midweek Meets, which were the sort of precursors to what Make Share is now. Um, and so we knew there was an audience, but we weren't sure about what that financial model looked like. Mm. And it was really, I think a lot of people thought it was daft. A lot of people retrospectively now, about three years, four years on, have said, they thought I was crazy leaving Nesta, which had a good salary, good pension plan, all those goodies, um, to do something that had n- no kind of financial model at all. But they've said that it maybe encouraged them to kind of think about their own roots. I think that's often the crux of people's careers, is when they, they recognise that there's an area they want to go into, and they say, I'm going to leave the security of yeah. this that isn't quite what I want to do and I'm just going to give it a go. And it's often that little transition period and how they make that work is what's really interesting about everyone's Mm. stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many people that have have done it. Um, So, but everybody's story is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah for me I'd just I'd fallen out of love with what I was doing I I wasn't actually getting to do as much design of programs that I thought I could do so I wasn't getting to make as mo- as much of an impact as I actually could see potential of of leaving that job and, and doing something different so yeah luckily that year was the year we were bidding to be a UK city of culture and I'd been invited I don't even know how or why because nobody really knew who we were or what we were doing but yeah we, I'd been invited to join the kind of steering group for um, the bid and it was about thinking well how can we get more people from the city involved in this and that's when we Dundee happened and we Dundee was a crowdsourcing platform it allowed people to say what they loved about Dundee what they would love to see happen in the future of the city and I think that gave me the confidence to say actually it's not just me that thinks you know we need to do more to help Dundee there's a whole bunch of people you know thousands of people here that are feeling the same and that gave me the confidence to say right I'm leaving my job yeah but I mean for the first 12 18 months I did wonder what the heck have I done and I think everybody goes to that and I, I guess you still have days when you you doubt your decisions but yeah I'm I'm happy I'm very happy that I made that decision so yeah, it's just been a, a funny old ride since then. I had no idea. I mean, five years ago, I guess, I would never have thought I'd be running Creative Dundee and also employing other people. It just wasn't on my horizon at all. And it's it's hard going. I don't want to do the sob story, but it is, it, it's difficult. But it's it's what I can see myself doing, at least for the next couple of years. So you mentioned Pecha Kucha, and that seems to be, I mean, it sells out every event now. It's got a massive following, even looking at the people streaming it online, there's a massive international following now. Yeah. And it's a real milestone in the calendar for, for a lot of the creative community in and around Dundee. So how did that how did that first come about? And where did the idea come and think that that's right yeah. for us? So... Lyle, who's also the co-founder of Creative Dundee, and I had been to a couple in Glasgow. I'd been to one in Stockholm. And, yeah, they're, they're running over 900 cities now. I think at the time there was there was about 300 or something that they ran in. And I suppose we were, we were looking for something that allowed people to, to meet, to connect, but to, most importantly, hear what's happening on their doorstep in the city and so Petrikutcha just felt like a really democratic platform and I think that's that is a big thing for me is I really don't like that kind of hero leadership style that maybe other talk formats have that there's like keynote speakers and then there's the minions who kind of speak about their little things for tiny little you know and and I see a lot of that in the business world and I'm much more about distributed leadership, like we're all in it together, it's a collective approach and I think that's what the city's got really going for it right now. Um, so yeah, Petrikucha felt like a natural platform that whether you were a student or the director of our arts organisation, it really didn't matter because you all got the same amount of time and the same amount of amplification. 
so yeah, we've we had we ran the first one in Chambers East, and I wasn't sure how many people would come. I mean, I still go through this now, like still worried about people turning up on the night. Well, we'll we'll see that as well. Um, and yeah, we had about 100, 150 people there. And, you know, my mum and dad were there. And that was really funny and lovely. And they've stopped coming now because they don't need to, <laughs> to come along just to uh, make the numbers work. But um, yeah, it's it's great. I think we wouldn't want to grow it any bigger because there's still something relatively intimate about that, that size of it. And I think adding in things like the pass the mic section which we did only because there was a technical fault one of our many technical faults but there was an issue one night and we just thought actually why don't we just pass the mic around and see if anybody wants to shout out what they've got coming up and now I think that's as important if not more so than the actual individual talks on the night is giving people the space to speak about events or opportunities so it's again that that collective approach and I I wouldn't be here Creative Dundee wouldn't be here without all the, the incredible stuff that's happening and the incredible people like yourselves and others that are that are helping drive that. Because yeah, I think one of the, the massive strengths of Creative Dundee is how it brings together the, the sort of massive varying landscape of what's actually going on and highlights that in a way that as you as you said, the picture could is sort of an uneven playing field. Mm. So no matter if you're doing a great student project or if you're an established company that's come up with something really cool and creative, Creative Dundee just highlights that and pushes that in a, in a, a brilliant way. So is that all part of the, the sort of core strategy? Yeah, it is. I mean, perhaps not knowingly at first, but um, I think it's that thing about following your gut and um, our, our kind of collective instincts where we're seeing actually there's so much kind of strategy aimed at um aimed at supporting the creative industries the cultural sector in scotland and the uk but actually does the practical support match that and for me it didn't at that time um and so it was about yeah trying to put creative people well putting creative people at the heart of developing the sector, I suppose. So not just saying, well, we need to leave it to other organisations to do it. It was about saying, well, our sector knows best for the type of kind of support it needs. So, yeah. So so a lot of it has been about us saying, well, we're going to prioritise our organisations or individuals or collectives that maybe don't have marketing budget to spend or don't have the know-how to kind of effectively promote what they do so we'll always prioritize that activity above and beyond maybe cultural organizations that already have marketing teams in place to do that but yeah it's definitely been part of the strategy and you're absolutely right we've always made sure that students have an equal platform than like established creative businesses or creative practitioners because in Dundee such a small city with two brilliant universities and a, and a college that, that has a art and design focus. They're such an important part of everyday life in the city that it would be unfair to say, actually, students aren't relevant. It would just be totally wrong. So, so yeah, it always has been. And increasingly, 
our activities are about quite democratic approach to to making sure that it's with the city transforming as much as it is that it's not not just a bunch of institutions saying this is the approach and we've been trying to do that through our work with the creative sector blueprint which is developing a strategy for the city around the creative industries one of the key sectors of growth in the UK and for Scotland but actually saying we think that the sector knows best on on what it needs to develop again but we want to design something with people from the sector from students through to really established creative practitioners that met the needs of the city right now and not just leave it to another organization to do it on our behalf and so we're getting there we're nearly ready to launch and it's been really interesting for me to be involved in that process and to think that Creative Dundee's helped make that happen and will hopefully help make a lot of the actions and priorities actually happen within it. For me, Creative Dundee feels like the most important hub or body within the creative community and it's something that ties everyone together and it's a central point where people can go to find out anything that's going on. How do you guys ensure that you stay on top of everything? Yeah. Well, we, oh gosh, we really can't at the moment. I mean, it's just incredible. But I'd love to at some point just look back at how it's grown, like in terms of content and um, news stories. And I remember even just like Christmas fairs in the city, Christmas craft and design markets, that kind of thing. We went from trying to collate about three one year to like all of a sudden there being 13 the next year. And so that pace of growth in the city is is pretty impossible it's amazing but it's also pretty impossible to try and do justice to so we we still try and cover everything that's happening but increasingly you'll see that you know we're now sharing facebook posts rather than maybe having it on our own website and we you're right it's just about that kind of prioritizing where's the time best spent and we've been trying to do more in-depth um features and we can only do that because of the great team that we have in place at the moment. But it's tough. I think we get a lot of demands placed on us. And I would love that to be more from the creative sector than the <laughs> than the more administrative sector, like the, org- the other organisations in the city, I think, and not just in the city, across Scotland, kind of think we're as well resourced as maybe they are. And actually, we're what's termed as a social enterprise, so we we do get grant income, but we generate approximately 50%, maybe not quite that, through our own trading. So we are effectively a, a very small micro company, um, but all of our profits get reinvested back into the community. But I think sometimes I have to do quite a lot of communicating to organisations that we're there's only basically two people in post. And actually, we don't have any budget. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what we do is use our skills and use the team skills. So increasingly, to bring in extra money, we're we're doing more events on behalf of other organisations who'll bring us in to run those events. And we're using yeah what what the team have in terms of skills and expertise to to kind of bring in money. And I think that's quite a different way for a lot of the organisations we typically work with. 
um, to do that. So I suppose we're acting a bit like consultancy uh, to a degree, but that allows us to do the free work, the, the work that hopefully helps amplify the, the city's amazing creative strengths. So we could never keep the website going as it is if, if we didn't have the amazing support of our funders, our stakeholders, but also bringing in our own income. Do you feel like you're constantly reevaluating, reiterating the way in which Creative Dundee operates? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and I think that sort of design process or that creative process is inbuilt into the organisation just naturally. So we'll always kind of try and identify what the real need is. We'll go through the prototype testing things we'll try stuff out we'll bin things if they don't work I hope we're always trying to do that and the team are great at prodding me as well and saying actually is that what um, we should be doing and and we've also got a great board now which is something we didn't have before and I think for other little organisations like Creative Dundee if, if they're kind of finding it a struggle to keep momentum going, actually getting a voluntary board in place can be a great way of bringing new skills and expertise in and and helping drive it. Because I think I was sort of starting to lack the, not lack the motivation, but just I was starting to doubt myself and my own instincts and stuff. And so you need, especially when you're growing an organisation, you need that input not just from the community, but um, from people that have maybe run organisations and businesses before as well. I think that that doubt's a natural Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Especially when using a design process where you're constantly questioning everything that you do. Yeah. And then you worry that your view is maybe a little blinkered or you've been run on the same track for so long that oh, maybe I should be looking at other things. And that's where those other people and those other perspectives yeah. really become key at feeding into totally. that. And also, like, mentors. I don't think I've really had formal mentors, but there's definitely, like, been a handful of people that have been around, even throughout different phases of what I've done in work life, that have acted as informal mentors. And, you know, I've allegedly helped informally mentor other people, but actually I think they've helped mentor me back, you know, and... So I, I think those peer um, mentor relationships are incredibly valuable. Mentors are something that I think is really important, especially when you, you get people who have, have made that jump, made that transition to maybe freelancing or running their own business. And a couple of years down the line, you maybe poke your head up and go, uh, where, yeah. where should I be? Where should I be going? Is this right? Yeah. And often, I mean, you're probably on a, a good path already. You just need that little bit of encouragement, that little bit of help just to to reassure you that you're you're going in the right direction. Yeah. And I think it's something we're going to see more and more in Dundee because we're starting to see a transition where the creative community is growing and there's a lot more independent working and then yep. collaboration and interesting things happening. But you'll get to that crux where people go, well, is this, is this quite right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Portfolio ways of working, which is what the creative sector naturally does, so doing multiple jobs, is a thing that we're all going to have to get more used to because you know we're all going to have to start generating our own types of employment I think going forward and 
it's definitely something that the, the poor millennials like horrible tag for them but that everybody's going to have to get naturally better at is is sort of self-employment and thinking about how to generate income particularly longer term when maybe pensions aren't around so i think the creative sector is naturally on the front foot as it were but i don't know if we always appreciate that and yeah self-doubt and um all these kind of terms are really easy to get sucked into a rabbit hole of. I think for me, yeah, having those, if, if it wasn't for Creative Dundee and the community, I I think I'd be more a nervous wreck than I am. Um, so I, you know, I totally owe a lot to Creative Dundee myself for helping develop that kind of confidence and stuff. But no, it doesn't. It that, that nagging doubt doesn't ever go away, and and I'm somebody that always designs myself out of things, like exits out of things. So, and again, it goes back to that not not wanting to be the the leader of something like the sort of seem to be heroic leader. I'm not into that at all. So how things operate without somebody at the helm is really interesting to me. But the thing is, you, you, you are the figurehead of Creative Dundee. But that's just a wee organisation. I think, like, what's, <laughs> but we would never, I, I, absolutely, I, I think we're part of a kind of ecosystem that had it not been for all the other organisations doing stuff, we would never have been inspired to do Creative Dundee. And then hopefully that's acted as a bit of cat, as a catalyst for other things. But again, we wouldn't still be around if, if it wasn't for everything else. So I think we are all part of this big jigsaw system. Actually, it'd be a more natural jigsaw system for me, but I'm really fascinated by like um, starling murmurations and again, those informal network systems where nobody really knows why they murmurate. Um, so that's then when they're all kind of flying in a, a big swarm, as it were. But I've, I feel like, Dundee at the moment is a bit like that. There's a whole bunch of really interesting organisations and individuals doing really important stuff. But if one of them was gone, maybe the system wouldn't work as well. I'm doing Creative Dundee at the moment because over the next couple of years, I want the creative sector to massively benefit from everything that's happening, all the changes that are happening, transform transformations that are being made. And I want citizens in Dundee to benefit from that more broadly than just the sector. After that, I'm not sure what I'll do. And it, it certainly, it won't be job done, but I think you can't hang on to these sort of things forever. This will be really embarrassing if after 20 years I listen to this podcast and I'm still at Creative Dundee. But I think, um, I think thereafter, I'll be kind of looking at what's next. And, and there's also a bit of me that... Having worked more nationally and internationally, I might want to go back and do some of that stuff because actually Dundee's only one part of a, a bigger system that needs fixed. I don't think, if if it's not right, then I don't think 20 years' time you will still be doing this no. because you'll have yeah. that drive and that desire to do something. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you'd let yourself get stuck in that in a mm -hmm. rut if you like but you know when you meet people and they've been like there for forever and you're like wow how how i'm i just don't know how people do it it's great if 
yeah, I don't know. I don't even think having the same job for that amount of time is, is healthy, actually. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people we've spoke, spoken to on the podcast have... They've, they've had maybe a job and then decided a few years down the line, right, I need mm. a change, I need this. And then yeah. it, to put themselves into an area of working that's much more flexible, yeah, that they can control and they can say, now I want to try this thing, so yeah. I'm going to push myself in this direction. Yeah. And they're often the most interesting people. And mm. like, I mean, having a career in one, age, one company for 20 years is fine if that's, if that's what mm. you want. But if that's holding you back and that's not letting you expose your potential, then that's that's where the issue lies, yeah. I think. No, absolutely. And and the work that we're doing just now with Creative Dundee is hopefully all about helping other areas in society and the economy to understand what creativity, innovation, design, art, culture can bring to to challenges or opportunities. A lot of the work we're doing is around healthcare or social enterprise or tourism as well and I hope that over the next wee while that will be useful for the creative sector to benefit from new opportunities, new collaborations. So I want to go back to talk a bit more about the team because we sort of briefly mentioned that yep. and that I feel for the, the size of organisation and the, probably, I mean I don't know exactly, but the funding that you guys have and the, the sort of resources available that you have a massive impact mm. um, and the, the amount of change that you've made in such a short space of time is, is quite remarkable. But I think that's that's down to the team and how that works together. Um, so yeah, you want to talk a little bit about how that dynamic of the team works and, and how it's made up and obviously it's going through a big change at the yeah, moment yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know. So it, it was at a time that when I realised I couldn't keep updating the website and uh attending all the meetings that I was asked to attend and, and then trying to do more and more interesting events and, and projects. But started to think about, well, what what would a team around Creative Dundee look like? And yeah, you're absolutely right. We've had to be quite sparse in our thinking about a resource and also, I suppose, quite enterprising about how that works. So we created two two part-time posts, um, a, a digital producer and a programmes producer. Uh, so Claire Defer is our brilliant programmes producer, so she works three days a week, and Dermot McKinnon, who's our brilliant digital producer, works three days a week also. And I guess we, I require them to be quite self-motivated and self, quite self-directed, because, again, the size of the team kind of demands that. So they are, they're self-employed, um, but they also, I hope, get the chance to contribute to the kind of future direction of the organisation, what we should be focusing on. Um, they've always had a stake in that, and I would hope, and they might say otherwise, but I would hope they, they feel as, as part of the team in a kind of very non-hierarchical sense than, than I do, that, that I do. But yeah, Dermot's unfortunately leaving us uh, to go to move to Liverpool, which is great as well. And we're we're kind of currently recruiting a new digital producer. I don't know what I'm like as a manager. I think I'm probably the um, <laughs> I'm quite demanding, I suppose. Probably, I think I've always been a hard worker, and and I expect that in other people. 
but for that then you get the chance to kind of feed in you get the chance hopefully to to sort of fulfill your own passion so a lot of what we do at Creative Dundee wouldn't happen unless people were genuinely passionately motivated by the subject matter and if they want to take their own slant on things so a lot of what Dermot's done with the website and the social media is his own direction um, for that not me trying to second guess what, what people want so yeah it's going to be interesting because we've worked as a team now for a year, a year and a half and we've also had um, different interns come and work with us, which has been brilliant um, for both the organisation and hopefully the interns as well. And actually at the moment, we've also got a shared mod modern apprentice, which is about offering an opportunity for somebody maybe that's just coming out of school that maybe doesn't want to go to art school. And I can kind of relate to that route as well. For me, again, it goes back to that distributed leadership thing of trying to figure out ways that... Um, people, no matter what stage of their career they're at, have an input to the bigger picture. So to focus more on, on you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What excites you and what you do day to day? Yeah. Um, it maybe just sounds quite twee, but I genuinely love seeing what Dundee can do. I'm just... I, yeah, I just think there's so much, we've got so much going for us as a city and there is something about Dundee that people often say um, and I can't quite <clears throat> articulate what that is yet and yeah, I mean Glasgow stole the people makes Glasgow thing, didn't they? But it, there's something about the city here that um, the partnerships that are in place, the way that the city works the way that the city plays together, that was somebody else that said that, rather not me, but um, we play nicely, we play fairly, we, we help each other, we encourage. And that's that's a pretty cool thing to be part of. And so what motivates me is how we can get more people to kind of see that and not think negatively of, of the city or its people. But I mean, I often think that I'm the sort of strangest choice uh, to be running Creative Dundee because I, I hate networking. I mean, I should probably <laughs> say this now. But for me to be running a networking organisation is just really bizarre because I'm probably the first person at uh, conferences to run away at lunchtime. Like, I would much rather go and <laughs> But then does that, does that make you the perfect person to be doing that? Because if you can get people doing it from the perspective of I'm terrible at this and I don't want to do it <clears throat> yeah. and you can create mechanisms to bring people together to do that yeah. in a much more natural way then surely you're the best person for the job I, maybe I don't know I don't think I've thought about it as in depth as that but yeah I mean I just find that I'm, I'm a pretty private person I don't particularly like speaking about myself but yeah so Creative Dundee is a good way <laughs> to counteract that because I can just speak about thousands of other people but then the events that you put on, so the, the Make Share, the Petra Kutcher, they are yeah. amazing events for doing that really informal chat between people. Because, mm. I mean, for me coming to the city two and a bit years ago, or coming back to the city after having studied here. Was it only two and a bit years you've been back? Um, wow. It'll be three years I've been in Fleet Collective Gosh. as of yeah. August or September. Yeah. So, wow. not, yeah, not that long. But I came in not really knowing many people. I knew a few people I went to uni with, but no yeah. one who was really working in the, in the same field. But Creative Dundee were that sort of thing I could just latch onto and mm. say, 
right, well, if I just go to these events, I'll start to get to know people. And yeah. now I go along to events and I'm sort of looking around and thinking, I maybe know half the people in this room. And there's yeah. a couple of hundred people in this room, yeah, yeah. which is amazing. And it's yeah. purely because of engaging and, I mean, even just following on Twitter or um, on Facebook and then yeah. just going along to events. It, you can embed yourself really easily with, with the stuff that you've managed to put in place. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. It's really, like, feedback is the stuff that keeps us going. I think, actually, that's one of the things that gets me out of bed is is knowing that we are actually doing a useful thing in the city rather than just there for the, the sheer hell of it. So, but, yeah, I mean, looking back at the photos from this Pechacucha, I think I was really surprised to see the diversity of age group um, at, in the audience and I think that's brilliant like I think we're not hurting, hitting lots of other diversity issues that we need to as a city as, a, as Scotland we need to kind of address but um, in terms of like that broad age range um, of people who are in later life through to like people that are just starting out um, we've got a 16 year old that religiously comes to Pechacucha each time now um, it's going to hopefully speak at a pet, uh, sorry, at make sure quite soon. We have that in Dundee, and that's a really interesting thing, actually, which I don't think you see in other cities. So, I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time kind of trying to understand what what the DNA is of Dundee, but there is something quite special about you. So going back to to you, because you seem to be deflecting off onto this. <laughs> This community, which is fine, but um, yeah, to go back yeah, to, yeah. to you yourself, um, where where do you find your inspiration? Is it books, podcasts, Twitter, blogs? Um, oh gosh, I think I go through phases of like being really active, listening to lots of external stuff, and then kind of squirreling down and 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 going back into my wee burrow at the weekends and at nights and and not seeing a soul. At the moment, I'm going through a really kind of full-on paperwork phase of, of um, kind of trying to bring in funding, etc. So from January to March, my, my life is pretty much a load of bureaucratic paperwork. I'm finding inspiration from, yeah, podcasts and things. And yeah, I used to read a lot of books about like different types of management and like all these horrible entrepreneur books. And I've got bookshelves of the stuff kicking about. But I just don't know if I actually believe any of that stuff anymore. And I see a lot of activity online about people kind of trying to pitch uh, their their particular method of entrepreneurial wisdom. And I just I just can't stand it anymore. So I've sort of switched off those books and I'm just more into fiction now. Yep hanging out with Netflix I don't know just the usual stuff but I need to I think the type of job that we do and it'd be interesting to know if Claire and Dermot feel the same is that you do need to kind of go into lockdown mode because you're you are kind of given quite a lot at events or um, through email and stuff like helping signpost people I think you do need to just go and quietly go off with a wee hot chocolate into your bed over the weekend and just try and not see a soul. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But I, I, I love the kind of podcasts that are, I suppose, a bit like this, just not me doing it. It's taken a wee while to agree to do this. But 
things like the moth and things where it, it's about real stories of real people doing real things and I'm a big believer in that kind of what is it? I don't even know who says the quote but do what you can where you are with what you have and so I suppose that's a lot of the, the drive for what I do but I appreciate more and more of those sort of true stories rather than just these people that are doing the circuits of Speakerville saying the same old stuff. So would you be tempted to to write your own? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no. And I've been involved with helping develop tools for, for people trying to set up their own uh, thing, their own businesses. But, nah, not interested in that. I don't know. I mean... I quite enjoy writing. I mean, that's the thing. Sorry, this is flipping about all over the place now. But I need to get back more into doing, making something. And I'm always getting criticism from people close to me that I don't have a hobby. Like Creative Dundee is my hobby as well. You know, I just, I'm pretty much a really bad workaholic. Um, But I can always see things that I want to improve with the website. (laughs) Even though, like, even though we've got, more skilled people around that can do these things. I I always see things that I want to tweak. So I I think I need to like go and do something else um, and kind of pick up a, I don't know, a, a material again. I need to get back into making it. I know that. And I'm sort of surrounded. It's again like the thing when I was surrounded by people setting up their own business. Now I'm surrounded by people that are doing really interesting work, whether it's um, performance, whether it's graphics and illustration, or whether it's um, visual arts, I think I need to get more back into that side. Mm -hmm. So that's a sort of development need for me. (laughs) Then often the hard thing is identifying that. Yeah, yeah. And then the second thing is actually just getting up and doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've become like a report writing machine at the moment. And just thinking in outcomes and benefits and really, really dull stuff. And um, yeah, I, I think I need to get more into the sort of experimental, messy process again. So you need that sort of expressive release? Like. Yeah, absolutely. And I try and do bits and pieces of it, whether it's making your own kind of jewellery or, yeah, photography. But I think I need to be a bit more forced into it. <laughs> so, yeah, trying to create the space in in um yeah my diary calendar just life um i need to i need to forcibly do that to myself i think over the next few while so with that mad calendar and day-to-day and workaholic Mm -hmm. attitude how do you keep yourself organized and are there any specific mechanisms that you've sort of developed over time that help you do that yeah, I definitely don't want to add to the whole glorification of being busy thing because I don't think that's a, a good thing. And I, I know that like, lots of people are, are busy, so I'm definitely no more busy than other people. Um, I What do I use? I don't know. I just, like, beyond the, the bog standard stuff, I still use a lot of the tools that I helped kind of um, make happen, I guess, when uh, when working with uh, creative, uh, sorry, emerging creative businesses, things like oh, it sounds a terrible term, but blueprinting. So you you've got your goal at one side, you and then you're working out all the different steps, 
And that's a, a term totally stolen, as most of these sort of terms are, from the kind of design architecture community. So I, I quite like that. So you, you kind of map a goal down and then think about just all the steps. I remember I've still got the one that I did for Pecha Kucha, the very first Pecha Kucha. Um, and I got it so wrong because I'd totally forgotten all the different things that you needed to do, like set up an Eventbrite page, that kind of thing. But, but I find really practical tools really helpful. I'm not an academic at all and I like just really straightforward life. Um, so anything that helps aid that. Like, I don't know why, but I always start my notebooks from the back. I don't know why. I think I must be like totally freaked out by the front page of something. I think that's what it is. And so now I start at the back. So I have got this weird thing of, uh, and I can kind of prioritise things from the back. I do, I do a bit of colour coding. I try not to do too much because you could like totally waste your life on that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. So you more physical objects, paper and pen rather yeah, than yeah. digital. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't I don't tend to use I mean, like Google Drive has just been a revelation in Creative Dundee, because um, obviously we don't have our own internal system. And it was it was my colleagues who were like, We need a system and I was like, No we don't but honestly, like now, thanks to them, thank you both. Um I don't think I could live without it. So we use simple tools like that and we have the same with our board as well. We've got a, a kind of Google Drive for that. But we don't we don't have um, Slack or Trello or anything like that yet. I can see a point that when we're working on bigger kind of collaboration projects that we do that. But even like working, we're part of a big European project as well. And we just use simple kind of Dropboxy tools, WhatsApp, that kind of thing. So a mishmash of those things is fine. But yeah, I got quite a cool stamp. Um, calendar thing that you can stamp in your book and it creates a little calendar for the month. I quite like things like that that are quite tangible. Do you know, I remember you talking about this, um, or maybe I was eavesdropping one of your conversations in Fleet, yeah. but um, your organisation for receipts. Oh yeah, yeah, no I do. Oh yeah, so it's really, it's, yeah, it's kind of really DIY homemaking project. What is it? I think it's like one of these weird... Um, like jewellery organisers that you get and it's got like plastic um, inserts and you hang it on the back of a door and the idea is that you put your jewels in each thing well I never used it for that I think I got given it as a gift and I was trying to find a system for putting all my receipts in month by month and totally failing at it before self-assessment and so I just kind of turned that into my January, February, March, April and started categorising the receipts in there so, so each little pocket is a, a yeah month. yeah absolutely and so I still use that and yeah I do things like that and like I can never find a notebook well actually this one's okay but I can usually never find a notebook that absolutely serves my design needs so I usually hack it to make it work and I'm sure I've got quite a lot of them and the team are really good at that kind of way of thinking as well like if I'll come in with a crazy little sketch of we need a we need a mobile creative Dundee to take round the world. Um, they'll they'll totally get on board with that as well, and we'll start thrashing out what that looks like. And we did that, and actually Dundee Makerspace helped us make uh, a sort of physical unit that sort of been in my head about how we could help make workshops and stuff better. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite into the the tangible product line. Yeah. 
I don't know. Might get more into that. We'll see. So going going forward, looking to the future, um, obviously there's massive change happening in the city. Creative Dundee sort of expanding and, and trying to keep up with everything that's that's yeah. happening. Um, in terms of the, the actual the creative community, mm-hmm. um, what do you see as its sort of strengths and, and weaknesses at the moment? Yeah. Uh, I think we have had a challenge about retaining and attracting talent. Like I'm all for everybody going off and finding finding their their feet elsewhere, but we need a kind of constant flow of of really interesting creative talent to be based here to inspire more people to come and base here. And we do have that. Like we're sitting in fleet just now, we've got that. But we m- need more graduates to want to kind of stay here and, and feel confident about staying here. So that's um, sort of challenge. I think an opportunity is what things like the waterfront development and and the, the various buildings that are going to be coming down there will bring. And that is that thing about sort of cultural tourism, which I'm getting more used to that term. But I think there's a challenge that we that many people still don't know what that actually is yet. And we did a bit of um, kind of research, very brief research, practical research at Pechicucha to ask what people thought we should be focusing on in the future. And actually cultural tourism wasn't one of those things, but I think it is. Um, I've just got this gut instinct that that people that are coming to the V&A, going to DCA, going to McManus and all the other amazing places are going to want to go to WASP's studios and learn how to do a masterclass in weaving with Callie Booker or they're going to want to come to Fleet Collective and do a session with yourself or they, they, they want new experiences and if we don't give them those then we've totally missed a trick. So thinking about how we get people around the city which I know is, is happening which is great and, and give people an experience as they go around and I think there's a massive thing about I don't know what it looks like, but video games tourism, and that's not people coming here and playing games indoors. It's about how do we use the streets of the city that um, like people like Mal and Tom and Albert from uh, who did other Dundee have done in the past. It, it's those kind of experiences, those new sorts of experiences that um, well-travelled folks that are going to come to the city are going to want to take in. So there's a massive opportunity, I think, for for us all to to kind of benefit from that. But we've got to get our game raised in the next year before the V&A opens, otherwise we've totally missed the boat. So there's a lot of work going on that in that area, and we're going to be running an event in June. I'm going to actually do a, a, visit, a site visit to a venue this afternoon, and that'll be around cultural tourism, and I hope that that'll be helpful for people starting to think, well, I could be running a workshop or I could be developing a new product range in X, Y and Z. But yeah, for me, that's that's a huge thing just now, is is how, how do we as a sector benefit from the number of visitors that are being projected, whether they're they're over exaggerated or not, like there's gonna be a massive increase in people coming through. And um I suppose it's that engagement between what's the engagement of a new audience. Yeah. yeah so you're absolutely. saying, okay, so here's a potential audience for all the people who are working and doing creative yeah, things here. Totally. That I mean personally I've not really had a lot of time to think no, about. No, I know, that's um, it. And if you start to pull those people in, can you diversify, can you enhance the your sort of absolutely. offering? Yeah. 
and that that's it. And hopefully, one of the things that Crip Dundee does is for people like yourself who don't who are too busy doing um, amazing stuff to kind of think, well, what else are, is there out there? We're hopefully creating sort of punctuation points that are quite, quite informal events for people to come along to to kind of get a, a speedy, up-to-date version of, of where the opportunity might lie. But yeah, I can see that that's definitely an area that Creative Dundee should be focusing on over the next couple of years. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, it's all these weird language, but food-loving culturalists, that's the thing, apparently. I mean, I don't even think culturalist is a word, but anyway... But that's people, and you can kind of look it up and visit Scotland has a, a sort of, it's like a user persona or customer persona. They've developed one for what a food loving culturalist is. But it's quite interesting. It's basically people that like to travel. It's people that like food and like drink and they like art gallery exhibitions. They like special events. They like those sort of, And that's predicted to be the biggest kind of tourism market to the city. So you can see that there could be opportunities there, whether whether you think your business or your practice um, really is about that, but you can see that there could be potentially opportunities there. So, yeah, trying to understand what food, love and culturalists are all about and, and looking at what countries are most likely to come to Dundee, like in terms of visitors. There's been a couple of quite interesting sessions on like people from China coming here and... and what their needs might be compared to people from Europe. So yeah, trying to get your head around all that. It's not really an area that I've ever had much experience of, but it's been quite interesting. And then there's things like the property sector, going back to your original question. Um, there's still a challenge around places for people to make and perform and sell work in the city. So how can we help other organisations to, to kind of meet those needs better by thinking what are the needs the sector so yeah that's that's another biggie for us is is the property issue and and the fact that the high street's changing and it's changing not just in Dundee you can see decline in in shops opening up it's a worldwide international problem so how, how can Dundee do it differently and do it better so that's what we're trying to focus on I think that that concept of how can we do things differently and better mm. is a thread that I've seen through a few things and it, it, yeah. it excites me and it interests me because it's because of everything that's going on and the the title of the city of design and the new design museum yep. um, there's an opportunity to question why things work Absolutely. They are. and it's sort of a justification for going actually no let's not do it the yep. way we've been doing it let's try something new yeah, yeah. and people are maybe a little more susceptible to saying with all this other change that yep. yeah why not have a bit of change everywhere else yeah and yeah, I think it's when I worked um, with the previous organisation, I could see that the the public sector were kind of sorry the public sector team within the organisation were were taking a lot of the the terms and the resources used by the creative and design sector, like things like blueprinting and stuff, and and running with that. But actually, I really want to see the creative sector saying actually it's time for us to kind of lead that change, and that's hopefully what we're trying to do. It's not about saying oh well it's somebody else's fault. It's about us saying right we we know we can contribute to this this topic, and and getting the chance to actually lead it. And that's what the great thing about being in Dundee, where there's so many people that are quite inspiring and and very active. 
that's the good thing about being based here. The, the scale of the city also contributes to that. But actually, it's the kind of passion, dedication, all that of people here um, that that I think increasingly other institutions, organisations, and also people from out with the city and across the world are recognising that it's the sort of Dundee approach. And that's what I want to focus on. Cool. Um, so if anyone wants to find out about what you're up to, what Creative Dundee's up to, how yep. do they do that? Where do they find you? Yeah, just on creativedundee.com. Uh, we've got quite a an active social media community as well on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. But yeah, and then we've got a mailing list. Gosh, we've got all sorts of things, but we've got a monthly mailing list that you can stick your name down and you'll get our, our freebie uh, mail out of all the things that are happening across the city. And we've also got AMPS, which is our new subscriber uh, project, which is about how do we create a way for people to invest in what's happening in Creative City in, in uh, Dundee, but also get something back. So 20% of all the support given to AMPS goes back out to the community through a community ideas fund, which happens once a year. So for all of that and more, Creative Dundee. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was Gillian. Uh, thank you so much to her for coming on and eventually agreeing to it because I know it was a, a bit of a push and a bit of a jump, but eventually we got there and it is a fantastic episode. I, I mean, I found it absolutely fascinating just finding out the, the sort of ins and outs and the, the thinking behind Creative Dundee and, and even just parts of her journey are, are really interesting so yeah thanks again to her and please do and go and follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, it's just so much great content coming out of Creative Dundee it's, it's well worth worth your time and similarly please do go and join the brand new Facebook group for the podcast um, it's a great way of getting episodes every week into your feed and starting those discussions. I really want to encourage the, the sort of wider conversations about the episodes that are going out and it seems a fantastic format to do that within so hopefully we can grow that over the, the coming months. So go and get involved. Uh, just search Creative Chit Chat Dundee on Facebook and you'll be able to find it. And similarly, I really appreciate everyone who's been sending those little tweets. So just saying I'm out in the sun listening to the podcast or I'm in the studio or I'm walking to work and it's, it gives me that, that warm fuzzy feeling that I am actually making an impact and, and people are really enjoying and getting things out of the podcast which is exactly why I'm doing this um, so yeah please keep tweeting out sharing telling your friends all about the podcast because it really helps grow that audience so it's at ccc dundee on twitter and on instagram and if you search creative chit chat dundee on facebook you'll get that group and um, so join in and start the conversation and that's it so until next week goodbye